Hi, this is Fox News' Rup Raj. On the August 30th edition of Let It Rip, we tackled two controversial topics. Facial recognition, is it racist? One former police officer in Detroit says, no, it's a necessary tool. We'll take a closer look at that. Plus, Governor Gretchen Whitmer proposing a number of new initiatives, including guaranteeing family paid leave. Is this something that is necessary in the state of Michigan? And if so, who would pay for it? We'll take a closer look. And with that, let's let it rip. Time now to let it rip with Democratic insider and consultant Alexis Wiley, attorney and conservative advocate Terry Johnson, former Democratic state senator Adam Ollier, and another conservative on the group, Jamie Rowe, who's a Republican strategist. We thank all of you for joining us today. This is a big day uh, here in Michigan because usually you hear the governor do a state of the state address mm -hmm. that happens right in front of the legislature. Today, she just popped out and said, hey, I'm at this restaurant in Lansing, and I'm here to set the agenda for the next half. Um, Alexis, she has a good thing going here. If you're her, you have, you know, you have a House and a Senate that are on your side, and she's aggressively trying her best to pass as much as she can. What is this about codifying Obamacare into Michigan law? If people need Obamacare, can't they just get it right now as it is? You know what I think, first, kind of going back to what you said, I think it's really important to see that we have a governor who has really taken advantage of the majority that she has, making sure that we're actually pass passing legislation that directly impacts people's lives. Healthcare couldn't be more personal. So I think it's really important that she's making sure that here in Michigan it's protected, regardless of what happens on the federal level where things go. She's making sure that if you call Michigan home, your healthcare is prioritized and it's protected. So I'm, I'm, I think that what she's doing is really exciting. All right. So, you know, Terry, you and I talked earlier when we were booking this show and you said, what's the point? I mean, you basically are, if you need Obamacare, if you want to sign up for ACA, you can do so. But there are so many threats that are being slung against a lot of things. And like abortion came to the state level, Alexis and the governor and others are suggesting, hey, you got to protect it. Let's put it in the hands of the Constitution here in Michigan. What's wrong with that? There's a lot wrong with it. I mean, if you look at it, you know, first of all, who's going to pay for it? Again, they never talk about that. The other part of this is it's going to drive lots of businesses out of Michigan. It's going to do just the opposite of what she wants to happen. While there are a lot of good ideas to make sure that obviously we do what we can to protect those without health care, it comes down to what happened with Obamacare. You know, my premiums went up and I, you know, for the most part, I'm in pretty good health, family's in pretty good health, but premiums and everything shot up and it wasn't what it was supposed to be. But Terry, don't we owe people out there in our society, in this great country, to take care of those who don't have? Isn't that part of the ethos of why we're all here and why we all kind of help build each other up. I mean, Obamacare is important, don't you think, or no? Well, again, you said, do we owe? Again, we have to talk about what does that mean, okay? Because if you owe somebody something, somebody's got to pay for it. And the question becomes, how does that work? Who does it impact? And I'm here to say this is going to drive businesses out of Michigan because they're not going but to health care is a basic right. It's not a basic right, it's something that we want to give people, and I do believe that people should have some basic needs, but again, what happens when you start looking at this, because if I'm an employer like one of the big three, and this comes along, guess what, healthcare benefits are gonna be cut, and it's going to be a disaster in the state. Uh, Adam Ollier, you have been in that hallowed chamber before, you've helped pass legislation there in Lansing. Uh, there are many people out there who say from a federal level and a state level, you hand a checkbook and a pen 
to a Democrat and they go crazy. And that's what how some people are framing this and some of the other initiatives that the governor is talking about. I don't know any of those people. I mean, when people are talking Governor Whitmer, <laughs> when people are talking about what's happening, they're excited and they're grateful that for the first time in my lifetime, Democrats are able to follow through on all the promises that we've made. So why was the governor saying what's next? It's because everything she said we were going to get done this year has already been done. And now we're talking about doing the other things that really, really matter to people, like paid medical leave, right? I have little kids. I'm taking care of an elderly relative. All of those things are the reason that people decide to move to a state or grow their family. And the number one priority right here in Michigan is saying, how do we get more people to choose Michigan? And we do that by making it the kind of place that people want to live, that they can afford to grow old in, and that they can be a part of. And that's what today's announcement was about. And that's why you see universal approval for these items. Republicans said for years, oh, we're going to get rid of Obamacare, but not any of these things that the governor's saying we're going to put in a state statute. And that's why we're doing them, because people like them and they're critical. But it, it, while, while something's critical, isn't there a way to do something so that you're not just, uh, let's say, blowing all of the money? I mean, is there a way to do this in a way that's more responsible? The question that people have right now is with this uh, paid family and medical leave, how the heck are you going to pay for it? So paid medical leave is really important. It actually saves most states money it saves employers money because they don't lose employees. For months and months and months, every job lost during the pandemic was by a woman and every job gain was gained by a man because of the gender pay gap. And so women were staying at home because they made less money and taking care of children, taking care but of mom and grandma. Care of, how, let me and so, wait, wait, so they stay at work, I which you. means that they have less costs for losing employees. They get that four weeks, that six months, and they are much more likely to go back to work. That's what's but really isn't important. is essentially a payroll tax on an employer? In some way, I mean, that's what you like say saying that's a weekend is a payroll but, tax but, or a 40, 40 hour work, but, but, paid time off. But like no, all not, of those not, not things. Not like a weekend. This is different than a weekend. Uh, Adam, follow me here. It's how, different today. How is, it wasn't how is this different than a payroll tax? Would you say for an employer? It's the same way that you look at the time you have off. Right, a hundred years ago, you didn't get time off. You didn't have a forty hour week. Those were things that labor unions and Democrats fought for and made into reality. So the benefits that employees take advantage of today came about just like this by people saying, "Hey, the basic standard is this." I want to get back to Alexis in a moment, but Jamie Raw, I want to give you a chance to chime yeah. in over here. Uh, your thoughts on, on all these initiatives the governor talked about today? Yeah, the one thing, the Obamacare piece is fine because it just codifies what is existing law and doesn't cost us any more money. The paid family leave is a payroll tax, Rube. You're absolutely right. It's going to be funded through a payroll tax. How they've done it in Minnesota, where there is a 0.75 payroll tax, 0.75% payroll tax on every company with half of that can be borne by the workers. That plan that is going into effect that Minnesota itself says is going to be $200 million in, in arrears this year, and the government agency has the right to raise the tax to meet the benefits. So basically what we're going to do, if we do it in a similar way as Minnesota, is you're going to empower an unelected bureaucracy to raise your taxes to meet benefits that government can't afford. And quite honestly, I th that is but the Jamie, opposite but Jamie, of what but, but, attracts but, but, wait a minute. You don't think if you're, if you're a company sitting outside of Michigan thinking about relocating somewhere and you find out that the governor of Michigan is talking about uh, putting this into place for paid family medical leave, wouldn't that attract a lot of people who want to come work here? I think it will attract nobody to come work here. Why is that? Why would you say because that? Because it's an added cost of doing business. The payroll tax, half of the payroll tax is going to be paid by the employer. And the other thing about it is you but have people, the worker, people, not about will the be allowed, people will be allowed to start working here, let's say at Fox 2 today and then take family leave tomorrow. 
if necessary, take family leave tomorrow. So how on earth is that does that attract anybody to our state? And the governor's no, but, but, own jobs task force said that we are expect stagnant job growth through 2030. But Jamie, I, I, I want to point this out. You're talking about how would that attract an employer, and I understand yeah. your point. But what about the employee? If I want to work for a company in a state that offers this kind of value for me, wouldn't I want to go to Michigan? Wouldn't I want to come yes. here to work? If there, there are no employers, there, there are, are no, no employees. Exactly. At, at the end of the oh, day, just, at the end of the day, really, what, what companies are looking for is talent, right? Mm -hmm. They are looking for the most talented workers. And when you think about the policies that the governor has put into place, they are attracting people. It's all about making sure that people feel that they can have access to equal rights, that they can ha have access to paid sick leave, right? We think about me as a mother, right? If something happens to my child, I want to be able to take time off. I want to make sure that I create a workplace where my employees can take time off if something happens. I think she is really thinking about what will attract talent, and I think that business will continue to choose Michigan. But does the governor always get it right? Because repealing, for instance, right to work, is that something you think will help attract businesses into this town? I think we've seen uh, a number of big, large employers who are still choosing Michigan. I mean, you just saw the big announcement from Ford on the, the Marshall Blue Oval site. Um, companies are constantly looking at bringing their companies here because they know that we are really a but place how of many, How many talent. companies, though, Alexis, are actually turning away from Michigan knowing that they've repealed right to work and now we're talking about this paid family medical leave that so far the governor has indicated not in any necessarily way how much it's going to cost and how they're going to do it. I mean, is that attractive for businesses? I think that we have seen no shortage of good companies choosing Michigan and I think they will continue to choose Michigan, especially under the governor's leadership. Terry, you're waving, you're nodding your head. I, I, I you know, you you look at places where this is not going on, they're growing. Texas, it's not because of the weather, it's because of the economic policies. Florida, it's not because of the weather, it's because of the economic policies. What are they doing differently? Everything that this governor isn't doing, that's what's going on. When you look at startup companies and everywhere else, very few are choosing Michigan. You use Ford as an example, they're already here. They have an investment here. But what about companies from outside? Why would, if, I, if I'm a small business, which we're not talking about, and I have you know, someone that takes 15 weeks, Guess what? I got to pay them. I can't afford to put somebody in that job. Who's going to do the work? Well, let's keep in mind, my that friends. Sounds that like th this that we're you're, not probably, hire you're, you're probably how thinking to yourself, you wait a minute, if someone how are we there? doing this paid family and medical leave? Large companies already do this. We're talking about smaller businesses. We're asking for it. Brian Kelly with the Small Business Association of Michigan, of course, the former lieutenant governor, spoke out today basically saying, I don't know how we're going to pay for this, and this is a concern for a lot of people. Adam, when you hear that concern, how do you answer it? I think that's why we have a legislature who can work with small businesses. This was the first piece of legislation that I introduced, and disproportionately, small business owners were the ones that were asking for it because it allowed them to level the playing field, right? Like, small businesses were not the first ones to have paid leave of any kind or unemployment insurance or any of those kind of things. A state-run program that happens in concert with business, with all of these stakeholders coming together, is the only way it's going to happen. And those small business owners are the ones that are 
trying to attract young talent who have to deal with this thing, right? We see so many people who, when they have their first child, they either leave the workforce or can't come back, and small businesses are the ones that are losing those employees. Ter Terry and Jamie, I got to tell you right now, we do these stories all the time about young people basically saying, first of all, I don't want to work in the traditional way. In other words, there are, right. there's a whole new workforce that's developing, and we can sit here uh, and, and, and scoff at them and say that they're, they're out of touch and that they need to learn how to work hard like I did. Bottom line is they're finding a way around it. Well, Gig economy, outside other ways. of Michigan. Well, not necessarily, but my question is, 77% of the Michigan workers right now in the state of Michigan do not have access to this privilege, if you will, or some would say necessity. How is that okay in your mind right. for a young person who's watching right now to say, hey, I want you to stay in Michigan, but we're not going to do this? Well, what they need first is a job. They don't just, they need they need a job and they need an opportunity. Then but you have to make it attractive? And you can negotiate that with your employer. fact of the matter is you say small business loves it, except for SBAM, the Small Business Association of Michigan, and the National Federation of Independent Businesses who are wildly in, in opposition to it. And the other thing, people need to remember, because of the, the inflation that we've gotten under Bidenomics, everybody in this state's going to get a 5% increase in their property we, taxes going into next year. And now you're going to throw this tax on top of it. People are having a hard time paying for cereal to feed their kids. And now we're going to throw even higher okay. taxes I, I on get to this for something that 6% of the workforce I, I want to get to this last year. topic here. Um, it seems to many conservatives out there, Alexis, that the governor came up with this wish list, says, here's what's next, and let's push play and let's go. And with a Democratic majority right now, it's easier done than said, actually. You can do it. But what about this energy initiative, producing wind, solar, and other common-sense sources? Democrats in the legislature have already said here in Michigan they want to phase out coal-fired coal -fired electricity plants by 2030. Is this overly aggressive, and is this considering all of, uh, of the people in the state and what they want? It's absolutely the right thing that we need to do. We see what's happening with these extreme weather events. We know what's happening with climate change and with the environment. It's the move we have to make. And I think she's doubling down. Renewable energy, clean energy, everybody is moving in that direction. We've got to go with it. She's on the forefront. And what I love about what the governor's doing is, unlike Washington, she's taking advantage of the majority she has and pushing legislation that is actually making a difference in our environment, in our world and, and at people's kitchen tables. She's making a difference, and I think this legislation is hugely important. Terry, uh, what issues do you have with her energy, her clean energy initiative that you talked about today? Well, first of all, it's not common sense. I mean, how many of us sitting here have lost power and, or watching here on TV have lost power or are still out with power and probably can't watch tonight? I and that's why you but, need but, additional but, sources. But, I'm not energy. saying additional sources, but when you start talking about the things that we're trying to do over the next few years, the, the words, and Adam said this earlier, hey, the government, blah, blah, blah. The, the scariest words, I believe Reagan said, I'm here from the government and I want to help you, right? That's the first problem. Let the people come out and do what needs to happen. Let the economic geniuses come out and see what actually works. We're pushing Adam, electric do you trust cars. the economic geniuses rather than the, the, the smart people in the legislature? Who do you trust here? I think we're both working in concert. So what are the industries that we're bringing to Michigan? Battery technology. We're bringing the folks that are necessary to do it. Terry was talking
just talking about power outages. We got solar installed with some of the programs that our state and the federal government have been working to make that more possible, which has made power more reliable. And the more we build batteries in Michigan, the better our infrastructure is going to be and the better we're going to be able to Put build on all you, of those Thank you for your time. Jamie, I'm sorry we're yeah. out of time on this segment here on Let It Rip. Jamie, I want to thank you for your time today. Always good to see you. And for our whole thank panel, you. we say thank you. Still ahead, facial recognition technology is front and center. An ongoing debate following the false arrest of a pregnant woman in Detroit. Her lawyer blames the technology. We're debating if it's necessary as a police tool or if it's just got to go. That's next. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Back now, let her rip. The arrest of a pregnant woman in Detroit for a crime she had nothing to do with has reignited the debate about a controversial piece of technology, facial recognition. Joining us on this debate is retired Detroit Police Assistant Chief Steve Doland and also Eric Williams, an attorney who works with the Detroit Justice Center. All right, let's talk about this. We have a situation where you have this mom, Portia Woodruff, who's sitting in her house. She gets a knock at the door, and the next thing you know, with her kids right there, police arrest her, and a lot of people are saying it was because of facial recognition. Eric, this is a problem, right? Well, I mean, I mean it's difficult to, to know how often it's happened because reporting requirements are kind of loose. Um, and the chief actually said it wasn't the facial te uh, facial recognition technology that was at issue. It was actually an error by the investigator, uh, which is something similar we've heard to the uh, explain the prior instance we've had of people being arrested. But how often do you have to have interactions between, in Detroit, particularly people of color and the police, uh, before something goes horribly wrong, where somebody who should have never interacted with the police is suddenly being arrested with a kind of certainty that is unwarranted in these situations. Well, there was yeah. a 2019 study that said that many of these facial recognition algorithms are uh, more likely to mislead minorities than whites and, and misidentify them. In fact, I think one of them said something like 100 times more likely to confuse two non-white people. Uh, Steve Dolan, uh, Look, you spent all your life in law enforcement. This facial recognition technology, is it, is it good enough to, to be used right now and, and to be used in mass? I think as a tool. I don't think that in this particular case, it wasn't enough to arrest her because she wasn't the suspect. The detective dropped the ball. The arresting officers, I think, dropped the ball. There's a policy and procedure you're supposed to follow. I can't just say, oh, there's a fingerprint, you're guilty, here's a warrant, you're going to jail. It's my understanding she screwed up. It's a good tool. And I had a discussion with a woman who said she's totally against it. I said, okay. But they've solved 16 homicides in Detroit using that as a tool. Do you go to the families going forward who are victims of sexual assault or lose a, a family member and say, we have this tool, it's not 100%, we're not gonna use it. But I want you to use every tool that you can. But is the tool being used in a way that, 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 that obviously in some cases isn't accurate? And are there other tools that can be used to help these victims and their families uh, get the help that they need? Why, why this? I mean, you, you were in a police department for how many years before this technology even existed? You all did just fine without it. No, we didn't. No? Um, you remember 
the 70s and 80s, we had 500 plus homicides. We're losing more people in Detroit to murder than the entire U.S. military is losing all their um, actions. So it goes back to gumshoe, that's an old term, gumshoe detective work where you get your ass out there, knock on doors, talk to people. You can't just say, oh, there's a picture. That must. That picture was, gave that detective 71 possibilities, 71. And she said, you know what, I'm going to center on that one. No, that's not fair to the victim. So, Eric, what, why not use technology if it can help, as he mentioned, not just the one person like Portia who was misidentified, but the countless other people and the 16 family members of those homicide victims and say, hey, this is a tool we're using to help track down the person who did this. What's wrong with that? Right. So, to be perfectly honest, I'm, I, my position is that law enforcement should completely stop using facial recognition technology at the moment. And it's not just facial recognition. I'm talking about basically all AI, artificial intelligence augmented surveillance. Because the problem is we have literally no federal standards related to how it gets used. When it comes to constitutional protections, it's difficult to apply them because they were developed before this technology existed. We always sort of operated on, on the premise that a lot of our rights were preserved because it was impossible to watch everybody all the time. And that's simply not true. Technology can do that. And not only is facial recognition technology uh, augmented by AI capable of identifying somebody, rightly or wrongly, frequently wrongly in the case of, of darker skinned people, it is capable of tying whoever's been identified to all the information in every single database that's potentially accessible. Now you ask why, you, why we should disregard this tool? Because the danger of it, not just to the individual, but to our very society, is so extreme. What about the, all the people out there that could be helped or saved or could benefit in a way because how quickly this facial recognition when used correctly can identify somebody who may be lurking a few houses down. Isn't that a good use of the technology? It it's all a cost benefit analysis, right? And we can't pretend that we have sufficient protocols in place. And we don't even have to imagine, and I'm just talking about good faith errors. And we don't have to imagine what abuse would look like. We can go everything from COINTELPRO to TIPS to the Ghetto Informant Program, looking at surveillance of Muslims in the aftermath of 9-11. Baltimore using, the Baltimore Police Department using facial recognition to identify people protesting the death of Freddie uh, Gray in police custody using uh, facial recognition to identify those folks who had outstanding warrants. San in the Francisco, California said, we're not using this anymore. San Francisco has a growing crime problem. They're figuring out a way with old-fashioned and some new-fashioned police work to figure out who's causing the crimes. What's wrong with that? Portland's not using it. Seattle's not using it. They're also losing their businesses downtown. I work with Chief White. We're close. Didn't always agree, but we're close. He does a deep dive on stuff. And I had someone say to me, well, that's a racist policy by using facial recognition. And I said, first of all, James White is not a racist. Second of all, Craig put him, former Chief Craig put him in charge of the consent decree, right? Policy procedure to ensure if they follow, if we, if we follow policy procedure right, no civil rights were um, you know, affected. Governor Whitmer said, you know what, you're my guy to 
the head of the Human Rights, excuse me, Civil Rights Commission in the state of Michigan. I trust you. Duggan said, come on back, I trust you. No one's saying he's racist. People no, are saying that the facial recognition may end up being a tool that unfairly treats black people. And if you're if you're Portia Woodruff and you've had your children witness you being oh. arrested, you're not looking at facial recognition the same way. You can see why, right? She got screwed. She's gonna sue, she's gonna win. You know, she deserves we're held to a higher standard. And we dropped the ball big time. And the standard is this. I have the right to take away your freedom. And that's a huge responsibility. Yeah, it is. And Detroit police, in this case, well, several cases, have dropped the ball major. And I totally understand why people are so upset. I get it. And that poor woman and those kids are going to be traumatized for the rest of their lives. So what do we do? I said we put, there should be a moratorium on the use of it. And part of the problem isn't just that it's making mistakes now, right? I mean, so we're talking about a technology that was developed primarily without the input and is being implemented without the input of the people who are going to be subject to it most. That's problematic in and of itself. But then you add the fact that when you start looking at how this technology is being used, and as I said, it's being used in other ways in facial recognition, it's being used in risk assessment for sentencing, and it, we're talking about everything from ShotSpotter to sure. license plate readers. A lot of what it does is simply reinforce the existing biases in our judicial system. So well, why would we do this before we have laws in place at some level to actually govern it, how it's used? It has used? been pr proven that human beings have bias. It has proven also that AI has some biases, and we got to figure this out and sort this out. I want to let the people have their voices heard on the other side of the break when Charlie takes Let It Rip on the road. recognition good or bad depends it's ups and downs to it the bad thing is you know is government too much into your business type of thing taking a picture of someone that's robbing you or something like that would be good yeah I think it could be beneficial but at the same time it, it scares me to know how much data and information is being taken from these um, facial recognition software like what what they're doing with it looking to lock up people that's doing bad things I understand that uh, which is a good thing that's a positive I'd rather have it where they're validating a criminal rather than searching. Detroit gonna do whatever they want to do anyways. If we're using it for good purposes, I think it's good, but we, we also can't control when it's not being used for, for good reasons. Some people say it doesn't work so good with black people. White people, <laughs> they get them all the time. Black people, they don't. Hey, they say all black people look alike. <laughs> Hey, listen, I want to thank my guests, Steve Dolan and also Eric Williams, as well as you at home for joining us. Thank you, gentlemen. That does it for this edition of Let It Rip. The Let It Rip discussion continues online. Sound off on Facebook, Twitter, or Fox2Detroit.com.